to record <laughs> I'll have to make sure to check periodically <laughs> dance monkey dance This week's episode of Dance Monkey Dance. I'm Chris. I'm John. How you doing, John? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm freezing my baguettes off. Yeah, that's coming tonight for us. Holy it's supposed to go down to 38. <sighs> that's warm by comparison to here. Yeah. Yeah, it's going down into the teens tonight. Ooh, burr. You want to come up? No. <laughs> no, I'm good. Are you sure? Yep, I'm good. Thanks. <sighs> Fine, be that way. You gonna turn on your heater? Or are you just gonna wear a bunch of blankets? Uh, I'll probably do blankets. <laughs> I like it cold when I sleep anyway. So there you go. Open a window then. Mm, no. Oh come on. <laughs> it is nice. I didn't think I was gonna get a, to wear the the New Jersey um, hoodie that I bought when I was home. Ah. Because it was like it's really like thick, and uh-huh. we got home and it's been like seventy five degrees the entire time. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, that sucks. I guess I'll get to wear that next week, next year." And then uh, the, f- the weather forecast came out and said, "Ooh, I might be able to actually wear that." You could always turn up the air conditioning. No. 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 I'm cheap. <laughs> You're frugal. Not cheap. Life's too short to to cut corners. I am cheap as hell. Mm-hmm. And I don't care who knows it. So, um, we had a big event happen over the last week. We did? Yes, on television. Oh, yes. <laughs> I wasn't uh, sure which event you were referring to. Well, I'm sure there'll be more than one that we hit on here. Um, what did you think about the final two hours of the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover? Um... There is a lot of fan service, well, yeah, especially in the last hour. Um, I'm really interested to see where this goes now. Where um, seeing that the um, Superman Lois series has been picked up, right? Um, so apparently they they end up with kids after the universe recreates itself so spoilers for anybody who didn't see it yes um apparently there is major changes that have rippled through and are continuing to ripple through what basically is now earth prime right where at the end of the episode um the universe is recreated and the multiverse is reformed however all of the shows from the DC CW universe are all happening on the same earth now. That's right. Um, so Superman and Supergirl and Lex Luthor and 
Black Lightning are all on what they're now calling Earth Prime, which used to be Earth One. Right. Um, and they they made a show of everything else that's coming out or that has come out and where they live. So Earth Two is now the home of Star Girl. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to say Earth Earth Twelve is Green Lantern. Right. Um, Earth Nine is Doom Patrol or Titans. It's one of those. Yeah, I thought it was Titans. And then so Doom Patrol takes place on a different Earth, and um, the so so all the main heroes are now on Earth Prime. Mm-hmm. Um, so you get this weird thing of the what were they calling them? Not the pillars. They were the paragons. Paragons. So the paragons all understand that the earth has changed, but nobody else does. And right. That had, that carried over into the last night, um, on Supergirl and mm-hmm. Batwoman. Um, so much to the, to the degree that characters that, were thought dead or lost are now back. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're following Batwoman, um, Alice, who is Kate Kane's sister who died in a car wreck, came back at the end of the episode. Right. And was like, hey, I'm back from school. So now there's two. So I'm wondering if those kind of repercussions will be fixed at the end of the season. Like uh-huh. maybe we get another little type crossover where things have to kind of be set right. Um, It was very strange. It was very, it, it was a different outcome than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the fact that it's being carried over into the other shows. Apparently the finale of Arrow has not only the cast, but also past people that have died are coming back. Right. Um, so it's an interesting proposition of like Diggle now has two kids where mm-hmm. like everybody complained when they changed Sarah to, to JJ Right. And now all of a sudden he has both JJ and Sarah. Mm-hmm. So how does that play going forward into the Canary TV show? Does right. Sarah suddenly become involved in the future? Mm. Does the new Green Arrow wind up in the future? Right. Like we don't know where she went. We don't know what happened to her. Mm-hmm. Like why would she still have her memories and pick up the mantle of Green Arrow if she doesn't remember anything? Right. Like there's a whole bunch of new questions now. Um, so it'll be interesting to see. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I want to see where they go with Lex Luthor now, now that apparently he's a good guy, but is he a good guy? Well, I mean, he does. And nobody knows it other than, you know, the core group. Right. Right, and like they showed that that weird commercial that they made for the DEO. 
Yes. Where, where it's like, hey, if you've got problems of an extraterrestrial source, come to us. So, uh, and it's interesting, like, like Supergirl was built on the fact that there are aliens living on Earth. Right. So are they all living on Earth now? Like, is that just the new norm of Earth Prime? I'm going to have to wait and see. I guess. I mean, that, that's... It's an interesting place that they've found themselves and they've done it to themselves. Like, sure. They can't be like, well, like we didn't plan ahead. You had an entire year to plan this shit out. Right. And now you're just going to have to deal with the fact that you've written yourselves into a corner if that's what happens. Hopefully they knew what they were doing. Right. Well, I mean, they seem like it. They, they I mean, there were all those seeds. They're, yeah. There are an awful lot of little details that, that popped up out of these five episodes that kind of makes me think that there's been a master plan. I, um, it's I hope so. Just, it's just a matter of where they're going to go with it. I will say the, the, um, this crossover had an, Oh shit moment for me. Okay. I'm sure that you can figure out what that was. That was when Gleek escaped. Well, no, I mean that I, <laughs> I chuckled at the fact that Gleek was at the hall of justice. Uh-huh. And that they played the Super Friends theme at the end. Yes. Um, but I was I was sitting in my studio watching the television when Barry gets sent into the Speed Force. Uh-huh. And winds up at Star Labs and hears a, hey. And he turns around and standing there is Ezra Miller dressed as the Flash from the DC movies. Mm-hmm. On the CW to canonize the Justice League films. Yep. That fucking blew my mind. The the fact one that they were able to pull that off, that two they were able to keep it secret. Right. Um it came but out But that just opens it up for so many more things to happen. Well, and that was the thing. Everybody you know, was like, When's I mean, Cavill what's, coming? What's Jason Manoa doing? And and you know, he probably needs work. I would think that Jason Momoa would be down to do that. Oh yeah. Seeing him in, in in interviews, I would think that if they said, Hey, you want to be on a DC show in a, in a cameo in the CW, he'd be all over that. Yeah. Um, and then it came out the next day that the, the producers of the crossover did not approach Warner brothers. Warner brothers approached them about putting Ezra Miller in the crossover Mm -hmm. and had, had like, they worked very hard to make that happen. It's pretty savvy on their part. Absolutely, because everybody's talking about it. Right. Everybody was like, that's the best thing ever. Like, like there's now so much hype about the the Flash movie, and which is apparently what they were doing that for. They knew mm-hmm. they know that the TV audience is the place to build up that hype. Right, definitely. And it did. Like, everybody... Everybody that I saw online was like, holy shit, this is like the coolest thing ever. Mm-hmm. And if they were able to get like Jason Momoa or Ray, ben Affleck. Ray Fisher, was that the guy? Is that the guy that plays um, Cyborg? Yes, I think that's his name. Ray Stevens, Ray Fisher, Ray Fisher Stevens. It's not Ray remember. Stevens. Um, um, if they were to get him or imagine like Henry Cavill or something like sure. Like the internet would have exploded. Mm-hmm. And I think they know that going forward now. Oh yeah. I mean, this kind of tested the waters for them. Yeah. 
And apparently they're really high on the flash and like the Ezra Miller movie that's going to be coming out. So I, I, I don't think we'll see Grant Gustin in the actual film. Like, I don't think this will tie into what they're doing, but I do think that it does open up the possibility for, for other DC things. And, and like DC was always afraid of being like, Oh no, there's only one Superman on. And that's, that's Henry Cavill. And they've since like backed off of that. And this, Mm -hmm. this I think is them stepping into the larger world of like, it's a multiverse. Like, Sure. They don't all have to let's, look alike. They don't have to act alike. Let's play it up. We got this toy. Yep. Let's see what it can do. Yep. So I'm, yeah, I'm I, th- I was very pleased. Yeah. I thought the fourth hour was stronger than the final hour. Well, it was very, I don't want to say anticlimactic, although that's probably a, that's exactly what it was. Term. Like, like there definitely was a thing of like, Hey, we blew the load here and there's still another hour. Right. And it was like, well, what are they going to do for another hour? And it was that weird world building that they had to do so that the shows could come out on the other side and be like, Hey, we're post crisis. Yes. Um, I thought there was a lot of funny stuff in the legends episode (laughs) where, um, you know, Ray was upset that he thought he missed the crossover and Citizen Steel is like, is there a crossover? Do we get invited? <laughs> well, and that's that's the thing about that Legends is that they have leaned so far into the abs- absurd mm-hmm. that they can do stuff like that right. and not call attention to it. Right, right. You wouldn't see Supergirl saying that to Kara. No, but like they did it a little bit at the very end where um, Black Lightning was like, well, come on. Do we really need this table? How many times has the earth almost ended? Right. And they look at him and he's like, oh, it's like that. And and Batwoman is like, hey, I was a new kid last year. Don't worry about it. Right. Like, so so they're they're trying to do that tongue in cheek winking thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which the, it needs to the, the Bebo it needs to thing not take and, itself so seriously. No. So, you know, like Arrow does. I mean, Arrow just completely takes itself way too seriously. Well, now that that's ending. Yeah. They now have that, that like room to breathe a little bit and be like, Hey, Mm -hmm. we don't need to be as dark as the other shows were. Right. Um, all in all, I liked it. I liked the way it ended up. I liked the hall of justice and the big round table. And I liked Gleek escaping at the end. It, 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 it made me happy. It reminds me of when Smallville Smallville revealed the Fortress of Solitude and it was the Richard Donner version and you heard the John Williams theme music and it's like, oh, this is cool. This is, you know, my childhood coming full circle. Right. And I like that stuff. Right. And they, they definitely did some of that here. They yeah. did the they did the shot where they, they gave Brandon Routh the big send off of him dress as Superman flying over the earth. Right. Like, like out of the movies and stuff. And mm-hmm. they played the John Williams theme and they played the super friends theme. And right. Um, you know, I, I still feel, and it's, it's the era that we're in that they're gearing the future towards strong female characters. 
Well, I think they need to. Well, I, I think it's just the way society has to go at this point. And I agree so with that. So let's embrace it. I agree with that. But at the same time, it's not going to be written for me. It's These things aren't going to no. be made for me anymore. No, of course not. And that's a little sad because the last decade has been nice being a comic book nerd from the eighties that have seen this stuff come to fruition. So, right. I don't know. It, it feels like the end of an era, even no matter what they do going forward. This is, this is kind of the end of the road for the white male time of superhero shows. And maybe it needs to happen. No, I'm not saying. I'm like, I mean, there needs to be more than Wonder Woman running around in a skippy little outfit, outfit, tying guys up. Does there it, though? Well, <laughs> <sighs> there's a whole untapped audience. I know. That has lots of money. I know, and that's not me. Yeah, exactly. But you know, I was I was very pleased. So we'll see where they go from here. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll see how quickly Lois Lane becomes the the front person of the the Superman TV show, right? And see see if it does kind of swing that way, because because by next year the only two shows that will have male leads in them are The Flash and Black Lightning. Right. Because you're going to get an Arrow show that's comprised all of, of women. Yep. you got Supergirl, Batwoman. You know. But, and, and look, I'm I'm thrilled that, like, my daughter has TV to watch. Sure. Just a little sad that it's not written for me anymore. Mm-hmm. But I got Titans and the boys and... Well, that's just it. There's always control. something new coming, so... You know, it's time to to pack up those those childhood things and move on to something else. It's my same theory with Star Wars. Yeah. So we wrapped it up. Time to move on. Right. Am I excited to see a whole new series of Ray movies? No. no. I might, but I'm I was good the way it ended. In fact, I watched it again last night. Oh, did you? Yeah, because a friend of mine is a member of the VFX Society, so okay. he gets screeners for the Oscars. Oh, and that was one of them. Oh, must be nice to get to watch it in the privacy of somebody's home. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, cheap popcorn. <laughs> <laughs> so, so seeing it a second time, is there anything that stuck out, or? You know, now that you've seen it, knew what to expect. Was it different in any way for you? Uh, no, it no? still held my attention the whole time through. Okay. I was able to pay attention to different things now. Okay. Because it wasn't at that breakneck speed that it's like, I mean, what'd I miss? What'd I miss? What'd I miss? Right. So you were able to kind of walk it back. Okay. And go, oh, okay. Um, I I like Babu Frick more than I thought he was. <laughs> I just think that he's like this little old Italian man. Right, right, right. And it's funny how like so many Star Wars characters are these racial stereotypes. Oh, absolutely. Um, 
I liked the whole thing at the end where with um, Poe and Sori when she oh. she comes back to help them, yeah. and then they're on um, they're back at the base, and he sees her, and he looks at her, and he's kind of like, "Hey, you and me," and she's like, "No," it's like, "All right." <laughs> <laughs> I just I I feel like having seen it twice. I I just I really feel like not a lot of those characters are relatable. No, I I don't feel I feel the same way. I I could care less about Rose and Finn. Um, I mean, I even feel that way about Ray. Yeah, I, I mean, I mean the, none of the characters touched me the way that Luke and Leia and Han and Chewbacca did. Right. This, this was just, it wasn't cold, but I think they threw so many characters in there that they ended up having trouble, uh, keeping your interest up the whole time. Well, and the more that I read about the making of the film, the more that Lucasfilm and Disney, did behind JJ's back the more that you can see why it's the way it is. Yeah. With... I mean, for, Go ahead. for everything that was going on behind the scenes, it, it's kind of a miracle that it, you know, completed the way it did, that right. they were able to finish it and still make an entertaining film. It wasn't like this total disaster. It was, you know, it, it's what it was. Right. It's what it was. It's not thought provoking. It's not sparking a new interest. It's just, okay, this is the finale. You're wrapping it up. But I feel like with, with the, well, it's not as, as polarizing as the last Jedi. Mm -hmm. I feel like it leaves it in a place where there's, they're going to have to do something stellar whatever they do next in the movies, they're going to have to come really hard because I think it's been, and they're going to have to come from meh. Yeah. I, they're going to have to do something totally different, something out of left field that you're not expecting that just catches everybody's imagination. Mandalorian baby Yoda movie. Yeah. But see, that's already being done. So I know, Let's let that be what it is. But they have to do something on that scale. Sure. They have to do when when Mandalorian premiered and Baby Yoda was introduced. The amount of memes and stuff that that generated overnight was kind of unseen unseen at that. Like, yeah, it was it was unexpected. Yeah. So I feel like they need to do something that's going to be that big. And I think that that's Dave Filoni and um, John Favreau personally. Really, you don't think Taika Waititi is going to do something? I I like Taika. Um, yeah. I think. I think he has to be under a. a I don't want to say competent because I feel like Taika's competent. I feel like he. I feel like he needs to be reined in. Okay. Um, Kevin, Kevin Feige was there for Thor. 
Um, um, John Favreau was there for his stuff on the Mandalorian. You know, you turn around and left to his own devices, you get Jojo Rabbit. And sure. not that I've seen the movie and or, or know how it is, but like in order to do something um, commercially successful with the Star Wars brand, I think you have to have somebody over him to kind of rein him in. Mm-hmm. Um, because it wasn't so there, there was a story that came out for his, um, his episode of the Mandalorian where the two biker scouts are punching baby Yoda. Uh huh. And apparently not Jason Sudeikis, Adam Pally Pally punched the, the, the animatronic and instead of Taika going over and saying something, John Favreau had to go over and say, okay, listen, I know that you have to punch this thing, but I want you to know it's worth $5 million. <laughs> so do it, but don't break it. And there was another, um, the guy that played Moff Gideon mm-hmm. said that Taika spent like an hour trying to figure out where he should put his feet when he climbed up on top of the tie fighter. Sure. Like he was obsessed with the dude's feet and that the guy was like, if they're looking at my feet, they're not looking at my face and they're not seeing what's going on. So maybe we not worry about the feet. So I feel like Taika Waititi is good creatively, but I don't think he can do it on his own. I would agree. I just think that whatever the next incarnation of this becomes, it needs to be different than anything else we've seen before. You mean down to like no, no Jedi, no. Um, I think it happens in that same world, Mm -hmm. but I think you have to reinvent the mythos behind it. Okay. Or, be so removed from it that, um, you know, you're, you're out on the outer rim somewhere and, um, you just aren't as aware of what was going on closer to, you know, Coruscant and all those other planets. Well, I think that's why they're, they, they were teasing the idea of like, this would be, um, not the old Republic, but like thousands, the new Republic. Of, thousands of years ago. Right. So you're not having to deal with the Skywalkers and mm-hmm. you know, you're able to see maybe Jedi that you've never heard of mm-hmm. doing real Jedi things instead of like whatever is going on now. I don't know. I I thought we'd hear something at least of like, hey, this is what we're planning on doing, but I guess that's not yet. No, because they're going to wait until they can get the most buzz out of it. Right. Whether it's that it announced it at D23 or Comic-Con or Celebration or... I think it's going to be a celebration myself. Yeah. I think that's when you get the first inkling of what the future is. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think there's something within the video game world that they that's still ripe for exploration 
there was supposed to be this whole, whole um, uh, a video game called Star Wars 1313. Right. Which took place like underground in Coruscant and it followed a, a stormtrooper, uh, not a stormtrooper, bounty hunter. And it's like, I think, well, we've got the Mandalorian now. <laughs> but I, I think that there's something about doing a gritty urban procedural kind of thing. Right. And that's what the first Star Wars TV show was supposed to be. Right. It was supposed to be Star Wars Underworld where you you followed the down in the bowels of Coruscant. Right. And they wrote like a hundred scripts for that. So there's definitely ideas out there. Right. There's no shortage of ideas for them, but I, I just hope that there's less interference for people trying to make Star Wars films. Mm, that's not going to happen. Well, I know, but it would be that's... nice if they would let them actually do what they've been hired to do. Right. I mean, apparently it was so bad between JJ and Lucasfilm that like he went to the, um, to the press junkets like unwillingly. Mm-hmm. Like they were like, no, you have to, you've signed this contract. And he was like, I don't want to talk about this movie. And they're like, Oh no, you will talk about this movie. It, which is one of the reasons he signed with Warner brothers instead of Disney for the bad robot deal. Right. So, I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of off putting that like shit got that bad, mm-hmm. but whatever could be worse. could be the do little movie. <laughs> Which really disappoints me, just because I like the story and the characters, and okay. to hear it's such a unqualified piece of shit. So, so have you read anything about the turn late in the movie? Um, I've, I've, did that. Yeah, that the studio put pressure on them to change scenes, which includes the new dragon sequence where he's like pulling stuff out of the dragon's ass. Yes. Yes. So, so apparently like, like Doolittle is, is faced with this dragon mm-hmm. and he can tell the dragons in pain. Right. So Doolittle not wanting to hurt the dragon decides that he's going to help him. And that consists of shots of Robert Downey Jr. Um, sticking his hand up a dragon's ass Mm -hmm. and pulling out armor and skeletons. And apparently there is a shot from within the butthole, like, (laughs) like pointing out towards him. Uh huh. Like this is an actual film. Right. And everybody was like, wow, it didn't take Robert Downey Jr. Any time to fall from grace of where he was with fucking Iron Man. Right. Like it's that's totally messed up. Yeah. But I mean now I kind of want to see it to see like just what kind of a train wreck it is. I'm sure it's going to go right to Redbox, so. Oh, that's going to that's is is do a little a Disney film? No. No. Okay. No. All right. I was going to say cuz I would wind up right on Disney Plus. <laughs> yeah. Like next week. (laughs) 
Um, so yeah, I mean, when I heard that and I read that, I was like, oh, that's, that's actually kind of funny mm-hmm. that, that, that is where that movie led to. But yeah. So if you want to see Iron Man pull out stuff out of a dragon's ass. That's right. And then get farted on. Oh, does he get farted on too? Yes. Oh God. That's how the sequence ends. The dragon farts on him. <sighs> Classy. Do you, th- Do you think that was, that was Downey's way of saying, okay, you want to fuck with this movie? I'm going to let you fuck with it. Well, I was just going to say like, like, where do you think that that, that does that involve him at any level? Well, isn't uh, he and his wife, the producers of it? Are they? I, yeah. I'm not paying attention that closely. So <sighs> that, that makes it even sadder that that's where he ends up. Well, yeah. Godfather of the MCU to dragon with his hand up its ass. That's right. Wow. Did you, uh, did anything on the Oscar, uh, nomination surprise you at all? Uh, not really. No. I did finally go back and watch um, um, Golden Globes. Oh, did you? There was not enough Ricky Gervais on that show. <laughs> well, I think they knew what he was going to be like, so they they toned it down. Uh, obviously. Uh, apparently, he had to get all those jokes um, approved. approved by a lawyer. See, that's just asinine. Well. It's like, then don't cast him. I mean, I love the shot that he took at James Corden. Where, oh, yeah. Where he was like, everybody got to see him as a big pussy. <laughs> and he was also on Cats. Yeah. And then he did the Judy Dench thing. Where, yes. Where he's like, I don't want to do this joke. All right, whatever. <laughs> where she's like her own asshole. And then yes. he gets a hairball. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I do have to say I'm not really excited about the Oscars this year. No, I mean the only thing that really kind of made me scratch my head was the visual effects category. Everything else was kind of what I was expecting. Um you know, everybody knew that once upon a time in Hollywood was going to get a bunch. Everybody knew the sure. Joker was going to get a bunch. Yeah. And I feel like the only reason Joker got as many as it did was because of the controversy that it caused. Mm hmm. Like, I don't think it's the best film of the year, obviously. I, but I right. think, I think that the work that Joaquin Phoenix put into it might be worth a, an award. Sure. You know? Um, but I mean, looking at the nominations for, for visual effects, you have Endgame, which didn't really do anything new. Right. The Irishman, which everything that I can tell, like they made old guys look look yes look younger, less old. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not done great. Right. You've got the Lion King, which eh. which was a horrible achievement in visual effects. Yeah. You've Why got... would you nominate that piece of crap? You've got 1917, which 
I understand like the idea behind the film of a, of it's made to look like a single take. And in doing that, they've had to add visual effects to hide certain things. But if you go back and you watch, you know what to look for in the trailers. Mm -hmm. You can tell where those visual effects are and they're not seamless. Right. Even though I hear that the movie's great and the cinematography is bound to win and the way that they shot it was, um, was an amazing achievement. I don't know if it belongs in the visual effects category. Okay. And then you have star Wars and I don't think there was anything groundbreaking in star Wars either. Mm hmm. You know, um, but then I went and I looked at what the, the visual effects society, mm -hmm. what their, what they call the bake off was, which is yeah. the way that they pick their, their films. Mm -hmm. You have Ed Astra, which was, eh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. The Aeronauts, which I didn't see. Which is, uh, Amazon prime, I which think. Which is on Amazon prime. You have Aladdin. Which looked horrible. Again, yeah, again, it, why would you want to celebrate that? Alita Battle Angel, which I thought actually had some decent visual effects in it. Yeah, but she was creepy as hell. But but it was seamless. And they, they pushed in a couple of a couple of areas, which is what surprises me. Um, Avengers, Captain Marvel, Cats, which we knew wasn't going to get in. You know, they may may as well nominate Sonic. <laughs> well, that, that, that might be next year. Uh, Dumbo. Again, another horrible movie. Fast and the Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw. <sighs> Ford versus Ferrari, which I, I'm assuming is all like race car animation. <sighs> Gemini Man with the de-aged. Um, well, it's not even de-aged. It's a it's a digital young version of Will Smith. Right. Um, the Irishman, Jumanji, the next level, the Lion King, men in black international midway, 1917, Spider-Man far from home, star Wars, rise of Skywalker and Terminator dark fate. Th those are the ones that they had to whittle down. Mm -hmm. And I feel like Alita should have been in there. And I kind of feel like Gemini man should have been in there because mm, okay. that pushed the technology. Um, and from what I understand, even though that the movie was garbage, the visual mm -hmm. effects in it were decent. Okay. So I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's a very weird year for the Oscars. It feels like. Mm-hmm. Like uh, uh motion picture of the year is Ford versus Ferrari, which I didn't see. The Irishman, Jojo Rabbit, Joker, Little Women, Marriage Story, which is a Netflix thing. Mm -hmm. Nineteen seventeen, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Parasite. Which is foreign language. Which yeah. And at P Parasite just won, what was it, the SAG Award for like uh, best film? Yeah, something. So like that's a that's a weird pick too. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
And I guess there's a bunch of people that are upset because of the um, the animation category. Not having, like, I guess more Disney stuff in it. Well, maybe they're showing that it's not just Disney anymore. No. I mean, honestly, I, mean, I didn't see the second the the second um, Frozen movie. Um, and I think while Toy Story four was a a good achievement in animation, like it wasn't a good movie. No, it was it was it, it was why bother? Right. It was it it was cash grab. It, it was it was Han Solo. Come on, man. I like Solo. <laughs> so, I, I don't know. Missing Link is a weird addition to that. Klaus is a weird addition to that. Because mm-hmm. Klaus is a Netflix-only thing, I think. Yep. So, you know. I mean, it's it's almost like if, uh, you know, Sci-Fi Channel got nominated or, or TBS or something. Right. It's like, so I guess it's good that there's this competition. However, (laughs) it's not really competition. No. And it's not going to be a host this year. Well, I mean, that can only speed up the show, right? You can hope. Hopefully. You can hope they need to do that. It's when they have the the 75 producers all come up on stage. It's like, honey, you gave money. Sit your ass down. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I mean, like, like one of the things that not a lot of people knew going into this before was that like, like Bradley Cooper is part of the producing team for the Joker. Mm hmm. Him, Todd Phillips, and Emma Koskoff. And, like, people were like, holy shit, he had something to do with that? And it was like, well, I don't think he was on the set every day. Right. But, I mean, he had a hand in it. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a very lackluster year. Yeah, well... Yeah, I mean when when most of when most of the things are being nominated that like nobody really saw. Like it's it's hard to pick winners. Like achievement in makeup mm-hmm. and hairstyling is Bombshell, which is that Roger Ailes movie. Uh-huh. Joker. Something called Judy. Which about Renee Zellweger is Judy, Judy Garland. Oh, is that what that is? Uh-huh. Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, and 1917. Mm-hmm. I do find it kind of weird that um, Parasite is up for both International Feature Film of the Year and Film of the Year. Yeah. And Les Miserables is back for France, I guess, French different version version? (laughs) yes you stupid Americans yeah well (laughs) (laughs) there was a documentary short called St. Louis Superman Mm -hmm. 
walk run cha cha. <laughs> that was my favorite. Learning to skateboard in a war zone if you're a girl. <laughs> <laughs> That's an actual short documentary short. But I mean, there's also like movies that were snubbed. I hear that um, the Shia LaBeouf movie was really good. The one that he wrote and was in, like about his life. Oh, yeah. Honey something. Yeah. But that's not up here for anything. Well, really, who in the industry is going to vote for Shia LaBeouf? You don't think he's a victim of, of being no, a child No, I think he's Hollywood? an asshole. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. I think he's self-indulgent. Okay. I was kind of shocked to see that Tom Hanks was up for best supporting actor. I was just looking at that. In a beautiful day in the neighborhood. So who's the lead actor in that movie? It must be the guy interviewing him. Well, that seems stupid. Well, I mean, doesn't supporting actor is considered like it's based on minutes on screen, isn't it? Like, isn't that how they di- they differentiate between a lead and a supporting? Yeah. So he must not have as much screen time as the other dude. Hmm. That's odd. Yeah. It's odd that the studio wouldn't try to steer them in a different way. I think they're just happy to be nominated for something. Yeah. That is the honor. <laughs> And it's not like he's going to use this as like, you know how they do those commercials where they're like Academy Award winner. Yes. You know, he's already an Academy Award winner, but Mm -hmm. they're not going to be like best supporting actor Tom Hanks. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's kind of stiff competition anyway. Tom Hanks, Anthony Hopkins, Al Pacino, Joe Pesci, and Brad Pitt. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. That's a heavy group. I think Brad Pitt's going to get it anyway. You think so? Not that Once Upon a Time in in Hollywood was a good film. Right. But I think he's, Brad Pitt is, is really good in the role that he was put in. Okay. Um, you know, I, I, you're not a Tarantino fan, right? Not, not by any stretch. So he got into this period of revisionist history. Mm Mm-hmm. Where, like in *Inglorious Bastards*, at the end of the film, they bust into a um, movie theater and kill Hitler. Right. And in this one, they stop um, Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt. Spoiler alert! Um, stop the Manson murder of Sharon Tate. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, like the the film ends with Sharon Tate still alive, and like the she comes down and and um the Manson family goes into Leonardo DiCaprio's house and they stop them and then like um Sharon Tate comes down and says what happened and he said oh Leonardo DiCaprio says oh there was these crazy people and she's like well why don't you come up to the house for a drink and then there's credits so it's not even like they do the revisionist history of like, this is what her career was like afterwards. 
Mm-hmm. It's like left to the imagination of like, hey, we we we're just telling this different odd version of history. And like for a Quentin Tarantino film, it's only the last 15 minutes that really feel like a Quentin Tarantino movie. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I'm not surprised that like, he's not up for like best director or anything. So I don't know. It's a weird, weird year. Yeah. Oh no, he is up for directing. Never mind. Martin Scorsese, Todd Phillips, Sam Mendes, Quentin Tarantino, and Bong Joon-ho. I'd love to see Parasite win and just upset everything. Uh, it won't. No? You don't think so? I don't think so. No. It it it, it requires too much attention to, to watch the movie and read the subtitles and all that. <laughs> I just, I just don't, I think they're going to look at it and go, oh, foreign language. Toss. That shouldn't be up for best feature film. We'll give that to best international. Yeah. So I guess we'll see what happens when this comes up. I, I I will tell you what I am excited about though. What's that? I'm excited that the TV show Picard is starting this week. That's right. I am super stoked to see what they do with this Star Trek TV show. Did you see the photo that was tweeted from Patrick Stewart's makeup test for the next generation? Mm, no. They wanted him to have hair. <laughs> oh, uh, yeah, I've heard that before, yeah. Yeah. There's actually an episode where he does a flashback. There's a there's a flashback of of the day that um um what's what's his name? Uh uh Will Wheaton's character. God, Wesley Crusher. Mm-hmm. The day that that he brings Wesley's father's body home after the big accident uh-huh. and Jean-Luc Picard has hair. And apparently that was the wig that they wanted him to wear. Oh, um, so you can see it in an episode actually. Mm-hmm. And he just did it for one small, like, here you go. It's, it's interesting to think that like 17 years ago was the last time that anybody's seen these characters. So I'm, I'm hoping that it's kind of a resurgence for this character. You think so? Or do you think he's just doing this as, as just one more well short-lived role? I mean, it's already been renewed for a second season. Yeah, and I think, but it's what eight episodes. But I think that's what's what the hook is. It's two months of filming or whatever it is. It's it's being able to go do all the stage shows that he wants and not being tied into a television show. Mm-hmm. Um, it's telling a story that he himself wanted to tell. And I think that um, with all that stuff in place and not having to do 24 episodes for a season, I think he'll be game to come back for as many seasons as they want him to do. 
good for him. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, he loves to do theater. So this will just be that thing of like, okay, these, if you can fit it around these dates, I'll come do it. Right. And he's like a producer on this and he got the rest of the, well, most of the cast involved. So, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of really tempted to see where this is going. Mm-hmm. Um, even though I remember watching the original series as a kid, it wasn't really until next generation came along that I became like a star Wars fan uh-huh. or star Trek fan. I was a star Wars fan long before that. <laughs> um, and even though I think deep space nine is a better TV show, I think you're it's, it's like doctor who, whatever your first doctor is, is the one that you really identify with. And I think that's the same for star Trek. Mm-hmm. I think whichever, whichever series you were really, um, exposed to as, as a kid or when you first became a fan is the one that holds a special place in your heart. And I, that's next generation for sure. Okay. And you get to see data again, de-aged apparently. Cause that's what I've been looking for. (laughs) I've been missing the, the, the poetic waxing of Brent Spiner. (laughs) (laughs) Apparently he didn't want to do it. Apparently um, I read something the other day where they had to convince him by doing a de-aging test on Uh some footage of him. And once he saw it, he was like, all right, I feel like you guys can do this character some justice, (laughs) but he didn't want to show back up and like have them dye his hair and do the makeup and, try to make him look younger. Right. He was like, it's not going to work. You guys can't do that. And then when they showed him the test, he was like, okay, maybe you can. (laughs) So good for him for him working again. Since they can't fit him on any of the other Star Trek shows. Right. Hmm. Oh, you know what we didn't talk about speaking about Star Trek? What? Because it happened while we were away for a couple of weeks. We never got yeah. to say goodbye to Rene Aboujinois. Oh, that's right. He passed away end of the year, I believe. Yeah. Um, he played Odo on Deep Space Nine. He was uh, Clayton on um, Benson. Benson. Yeah, he was. He did a stint on um, um, Boston Legal. Yep, uh, he did all kinds of stuff, and like you, like if if the the name is not ringing a bell, if you saw him or you heard his and voice, you would know who he was. You've seen him in dozens of things. Yep, yep. So it was very sad to hear that he was gone. Yes. I mean, Deep Space Nine lost two cast members last year. They lost him and they lost um, um, the kid that played the Ferengi. No. Oh, played the Ferengi? Yeah, Aaron... Markovich? No. What the fuck was his name? God, I... Oh, my God, I'm drawing a blank. Uh, He played um, Nog. Aaron Eisenberg. That's what it was. Mm. 
So yeah, so they lost two members of their cast last year, right? And it's sad because like, um, H and I, which is Heroes and Icons, is a channel that I get, um, on my antenna, and every night they do a Star Trek marathon. They play one episode from each TV series every night. And the 10 o'clock spot is Deep Space Nine. And that's usually the one that I turn on as I'm getting like ready for bed and stuff. Okay. So I've seen, I've seen the entirety of Deep Space Nine like four times in the last couple of years. Hmm. And uh, it's just sad when you see, you see somebody and you're like, oh, they're not here anymore. That's really, really sad. Hmm. After he's brought so much joy to everybody else. So I'm, he will be missed. It's very sad. Yes. Left quite a legacy behind. Yep. Did you see the new, um, Mobius trailer with Jared? Lee? No, no, no. <laughs> I've been seeing bits and pieces of it. Yeah. I'm not really a fan of that character, so... No? Yeah, no. Even though they're going to connect it to the Spider-Man universe? Well, yeah. What's his name? It's Is it Mobius the Vampire that Lives or something like that? Uh, Morbius the Living Vampire. Okay. That's what I said. Kind of. In a roundabout kind of way. Yeah, no. not. Re- I mean, I'm not really a big... Spider-Man fan either so no no okay all right fine be that way you know what I did watch yesterday what because you know there's there's interesting ways to watch stuff now (laughs) okay I mean through the neighbor's bathroom window well no (laughs) but like not necessarily having to pay to see it Uh uh-huh you know okay there are alleged ways to to find stuff online. You know that allegedly, allegedly, you've allegedly watched, you've watched stuff allegedly yes. like that. Um, allegedly, out of morbid curiosity, I watched the Jay and Silent Bob reboot movie. Oh, that even came out. No. Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> allegedly, let's let's just <laughs> say that I I went and watched it somewhere. Okay. Um. It was no bigger indication that Kevin Smith needs to step away from movies than the 90 minutes of pure... You want to talk about fan service? Uh-huh. Winks at the camera and breaking the fourth wall and meta to the point where there's a scene where they're at a blunt man and chronic convention... Okay. That's based on Jay and Silent Bob. And they announced that there's a reboot of the Blunt Man and Chronic movie from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. And mm-hmm. that movie is being directed by Kevin Smith, who plays himself in the movie alongside of Silent Bob. And at this convention, they go in, they, they, run through a panel of the original clerks film. And there's a meta moment where 
Silent Bob is standing on stage next to Kevin Smith and Kevin Smith does not recognize himself as his own creation. Like it's very, very weird. Hmm. And it's just like the whole thing. You're like, holy shit. Like he actually got people to be in this film. And I'm talking about like Chris Hemsworth is in it. Mm-hmm. Um, ben Affleck is in it. And he makes he makes a bunch of like Justice League jokes. Like there's a there's a scene where he's talking about um his character of Holden McNeil from Chasing Amy is now a father. And he's talking about how you have to protect your children and he compares himself to Thomas Wayne. And at one point he goes, Yeah, I don't even remember his mother's name. And then he looks and smiles at the camera because of the whole Martha thing from Batman v Superman. Right. And there's this weird, like, take you out of the movie, wink at the camera, and then he goes back into his monologue. And I'm like, oh, Jesus Christ, man. Movie making at its finest. Oh, yeah. And and there's a, he puts his daughter in it. Uh, Well, she's got to work somehow. And his, his daughter has a lot of screen time and she's not a very good actress. He's trying to make her career happen and it's not going to happen. And there are scenes where she's sitting next to silent Bob talking about how much he hates Kevin Smith and all the derivative shit that he does. (laughs) And it's Kevin Smith writing a script about Kevin Smith movies. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, why is it like who gave him money to do this? Right. It's just sad. It's like there was a point where he could write some snappy dialogue and tell some stories that people could relate to. But this is such a stoner, like, wants to relive the past as a 50-year-old man thing that, like, it's Mm -hmm. painful. Like, super painful. So, I don't know. He needs to find something else to do, I feel. Just just sit in his den and get stoned. Well, I mean, he's doing Clerks 3 next. Why? Uh, because Jeff Anderson agreed to do it. Uh, <laughs> all right. I know. I know. So, yeah. Weird, wild times in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Don't you wish somebody would give us a bunch of money to make a shitty movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. We should we should put that on Kickstarter. Help us make a shitty movie? We need $5 million to make a shitty movie. <laughs> and see who donates. We should make a movie about, um, like, movie cliches. Where the whole thing is just one Hollywood cliche after another. Yeah, but people have done that. No, but we can make it better. Okay. You just do it faster, more intense. <laughs> yes. All right. You got anything else for this week? Uh, no. No? All right. No. All right. Well, if you want to get in touch with us, you can always send us an email at info at com. You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Let us know you're listening. So until next week, this is Chris. This is John. Have a good week. TTFN.